Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Patrick Aubin from the SPMI podcast, and you are listening to episode number seven. All right, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about a major topic in the sports world. Uh, This is a topic that many athletes are struggling with more than ever uh, in all sports. And we're going to talk about emotional suffering. Now, recently, when I say recently now, we're going on about a year, but recently uh, due to the coronavirus, it has really disrupted the sports training and competition world where a lot of athletes are struggling greatly uh, on an emotional level. And we see this a lot because of what is occurring with outside factors that they cannot control. Uh, Some of those things would be the fact that competitions have shortened, right? Seasons are much shorter, but a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty of the future. You know, when we look, for example, at the high school world in sports, a lot of athletes are really scared and worried because their scholarship opportunities have been cut as much as 90% as what they were a year ago. And the reason why is because a lot of these programs, they are redshirting their seniors, juniors, in fact, everyone, and it looks as though it may happen for another year. So what that means is now there's a lot less scholarship opportunities and even walk-ons for these athletes to, to play for these colleges that they worked so hard for for years to get on. And it's creating a lot of fear. And with that, there's a lot of emotional struggle and even what we say emotional suffering. Now, in addition to that, um, you know, there's less opportunities for even professional athletes as there's less competitions out there, meaning there's less money for a lot of these athletes to go after. Um, and then even outside of that with coaches. So it's been a big struggle, and that's why this topic is, is a really important one to touch on. Uh, I want to be able to help enlighten the listeners uh, so that everyone will have a better understanding of, okay, if you are struggling emotionally or you know someone who's struggling emotionally, these areas here will help you to have more self-awareness of just how to get out of it. And, you know, we're going to go through the different parts of it. I'll try to explain as best as possible through those different areas, but try to, um, you know, try to relate to that and try to think of others who may be going through it because these topics are not just sports related. They can definitely be outside of sports as well. And these type of topics are struggles that athletes have dealt with even before the pandemic. But right now we see it uh, more than ever. So to begin, uh, I want to talk about, as I mentioned, emotional suffering. And there's an easy equation to go through to to remember this and to think about, okay, what does it represent? I'm not saying this equation is everything. It doesn't encompass all of emotional suffering. We would be here for hours discussing that. I mean, days discussing it. But we're going to try to simplify as much as possible. So emotional suffering, if we were to create an equation for it, it would be pain times resistance. Now, I'm not talking about the physical pain, so it's not like, oh, I have an injury type of pain. No, this is the emotional pain. Like, I feel sad or I feel frustrated or irritated or angry. And, you know, the emotional suffering comes from the fact that we feel this pain, but we're not doing what we need to do to free ourselves from the pain. So therefore, we just kind of manifest ourselves in that. And there's three big areas that we tend to not move away from. And a lot of times we're not even aware of it. So 
let's talk about first why we don't move away from it. A lot of times we don't move away from it because we have what's called the ego. And the ego, especially with athletes, a lot of it has to do with pride, right? We have this pride inside of us that says, no, we're better than this. We deserve more. And that's a great thing. It gets us through a lot of tough times. But when we're focused on things that are outside of our control, that can become a serious problem. So the ego gets in the way. And then what happens as a result is you notice these signs of anger and frustration and, and, and fear and worry and just builds and builds and builds. And then later what you see from athletes is it eventually manifests into unhappiness where they're just really unhappy. So we want to make sure that, okay, if you are at that place or you feel like you could go there, let's start working on getting out of that immediately because it, there, there's nothing that comes, uh, nothing good that comes from it. The other reason why athletes resist what they're doing, even though they know it's bad, is because they're scared, right? They're afraid. You know, fear is one of the biggest motivators in, in not just sports, but just um, as people. So, you know, we have to understand and, and really free ourselves from those fears. Now, let's go through uh, these different components of emotional suffering. These are three emotional components that athletes resist. That means they do not break away from these areas. Okay, the first area is imperfection. So what is imperfection? Well, let's talk about first what athletes struggle with, and that is perfectionism, right? Athletes, many of them are perfectionists. And it's not their fault. It's just kind of the nature of sports. You know, the higher the level you go, the, the better you have to be, the more excellence those sports demand from you. And of course, even the support team, it's the same thing. Now, with perfectionism, what happens as a result is a lot of athletes, they play it safe, they stop taking risks, they tend to, uh, even outside of sports, procrastinate. So you'll see, you know, especially in school, you'll see this with, uh, with uh, all age groups or so young kids to college, you know, they'll wait to the very, very last minute to start an assignment because their mind is telling them that they're not ready or that it needs to be so good that it's overwhelming. So then perfectionism comes into play. Now in sports, it's a little bit different. When an athlete struggles with perfectionism, you'll notice that they really, really, really play it safe to the point where they stop taking chances. So if you take a soccer player, for example, a soccer player will not take shots. He'll just kind of pass the ball. He'll play conservatively. Basketball player, same thing. He won't take any shots. You know, a golfer, for example, will not... Um, make the right decisions out there. He'll play it too safe. And sometimes that may be a good thing, but, um, you know, that's the other struggle. You'll see, you know, a tennis player will start to slow down his swing, start pushing the ball. And these are just examples of a struggle with imperfect and imperfection, right? Because they're perfectionists. Their mentality is geared towards, hey, let's, we can't make mistakes. Mistakes are bad. They resist that um, that necessity in life to grow so that's a that's a really big one and then the other part that that lies behind all of these and we'll start with imperfection is the fact that perfectionists have a different perception of mistakes right they see mistakes as bad as harmful or the worst case in terms of how they identify it is is with their self-image Right? They see it as, oh, this is a part of me that if I make a mistake, then people will think less of me or I even think less of myself. Well, you know, that's the, the big struggle. So we call it, you know, imperfection because in order for athletes to grow, they need to embrace the fact that 
life is imperfect and that things will change, right? We may feel like our, our game is great or we're performing well and then all of a sudden one day or one week or even one month or more, we're not performing at the level we know we're capable of and that's okay. Life is supposed to be imperfect. We are imperfect beings. That's just how it is, right? At least on this planet. Um, so when we embrace the fact that imperfection is actually a strength because it, it opens the doors of growth, this is when the mindset changes. This is when you can start going after what's in front of you with a clear mind and without that emotional suffering. So what you want to do, if you're listening right now, is you want to think about what you've been holding on to. What have you been worrying about so much and trying to control in your lives? What needs to be perfect? In fact, what has been holding you back from even trying these things or going after them? And then write those down. Identify, okay, what are those things? And kind of ponder, okay, what is it? Why, why am I resisting this? What does it mean to me? And for many athletes, it's because they identify with it on a personal level. Like, this is a representation of me. So then you have to be able to separate that, detach from it. We say diffuse, separate it. So say, okay, well, this isn't who I am. This is what I do. And then from there, what you'll notice is now you're going to start to create more of acceptance and imperfection uh, will be a part of your, not just your training and your competitions, but more of who you are. And you're going to experience a lot more growth, but more importantly, you're going to experience a lot more happiness. So imperfection is the first component to healing from emotional suffering, imperfection. All right, let's go to the next one. The next emotional component athletes resist is what's called impermanence. This is a really big one. I think this one kind of goes under the radar for many athletes. We don't realize that we do this even, but this is big. Many athletes are stuck or they're fixated on things needing to always be the same. And if you're out there, you, you know that what I'm talking about, it's like, well, if I'm playing well, I always have to be playing well. You know, if my game is this good, it always has to be this good. If I'm healthy, I'm always healthy. If coach likes me, he always likes me. If my teammates think I'm the best. I'm always supposed to be the best. I'm always supposed to start. You know, if I'm PRing, I'm always supposed to be PRing. Well, that's a really, really bad way of thinking. And it's kind of borderline with perfectionism if you think about it, but permanence is what keeps athletes stuck. It's why a lot of times athletes become their own worst enemy and they start to develop resentment towards themselves. You know, they, they start getting stuck in the past. We start to reflect on, yeah, but what happened there? And then, you know, with the whole permanence thing, we, we are not present when needed and we lose a lot of time. It's a huge time waster. We could be getting better. So... Uh, some examples that would be like, you know, if I'm starting on my team, I'm always supposed to start, right? Or here's one I hear a lot. It would be, I'm always, you know, I've, I've beaten this player 10 times in practice and I, I should beat him in this tournament this weekend. I, I can't believe that I didn't beat him. It's like, well, just because you, you, you did well there doesn't mean you own it, right? It's not permanent in stone. You don't own that. You, you, we say you earned it. And we'll go, you know, go into that more and when I speak with athletes. But the key is, is that you have to understand that you know, things are supposed to change. They're not supposed to be always permanent. The, one of the hardest struggles for many athletes are injuries. And that's a really tough one. 
you have a reoccurring injury all the time. You feel like you're getting better and all of a sudden the injury comes back. And then you get more rehab and you get more PT and it's like, okay, it comes back and it comes back and it's very frustrating. But then going back to the very beginning of my discussion was uh, with this huge struggle with many athletes right now of trying to come to terms with acceptance of the new reality, which is these colleges that you were almost destined to play for now, it's kind of been taken away. And it's just feeling like you've been robbed. But remember, life is impermanent. And it's a blessing if you see it in a positive way. It may not feel like it right now, but it's the way you see it and the way you perceive it. See, we're not supposed to be doing things the same our entire life. We are here for a reason and for a purpose, and we are here for growth. And I truly believe we're not even here for us. We're here for to serve. So on that bigger level, when we stop thinking about us, when we start thinking about the greater picture, then impermanence becomes a gift. Because like, hey, you know what? I can do even more than what I've been doing. Maybe it's slightly on a different page, but this is really the, the value of life. You know, imagine doing the same thing for, I don't know, 50 years, 70 years. Well, athletes are really young. Listing could be 120 years, depending on medicine at least. But, you know, that's not very exciting. We always want to be able to grow. And sometimes life says, hey, you know what? I'm going to push you more. This isn't where you're supposed to go. And you want to accept that and embrace it. So impermanence can be a really, really great thing. And that's really the, the other lesson here is, you know, I know it, it, it feels so bad right now, but start to see it differently. Start to change the story that you're telling yourself. So everyone's heard this story. I've, I've had my own story in my life, but you know, when we struggle with permanence, uh, many athletes when they're younger say, hey, I wanna be professional. I wanna be a professional athlete. I never, ever stop them with that belief. You know what? I, I, when I work with athletes, I want to push them in, in such a positive direction, help them experience so much growth externally, but even more internally to reach their full potential. And that's different for everyone. But when we are fixated on this idea and it's about, oh, I, I want to be pro or, you know, I want to play for this particular college that creates the emotional suffering. But when we look at impermanence, we see that it can be a beautiful thing. So for example, when I was a real young kid, you know, my, my idea was I want to be a professional tennis player. I knew the odds were not good. And you know, first of all, looking at what I know now, there were you know, next to none with my socioeconomic status growing up and starting so late and the injuries I had and all this stuff. But still, that belief was there and that was exciting. That was fun. The belief was fun. However, looking forward into my life, it's like, well, there was another purpose, a purpose that I think is even better in some ways, in a lot of ways. I get to serve a lot more people. I actually get to serve a lot of professional athletes and get to help them with the same struggle I had. And because that, that brings a ton of joy. And that's what we need to understand is that your life isn't written right now. You still breathe. You still have a heartbeat. You know, you, you still have a mind. You're, you're blessed to have all these incredible things. So use them to see impermanence as a gift. And maybe you don't see it right now and that's okay. I did not see my purpose or start to understand it until I was 22, 23 years old. I started to really discover it more and more. And then the more I delve into it, the more I understood and I'm still understanding it. But the point is, is that impermanence is a good thing. It's a gift. Imperfection is a gift. Now let's go to the third. The third component 
that athletes resist, the third emotional component, is the struggle with personalization. You know, athletes who suffer emotionally, they, when they struggle, a lot of times what happens is they personalize it. So they'll say something like, why does this always happen to me? Or coach likes everyone else but me. Well, this is a really big problem. We say these things in a way it kind of makes us feel better. Like, you know, it's uh, almost like self-pity. But at the end of the day, it doesn't serve us any, any good. Right? We're saying, oh, this personal, why, why am I always the one that gets injured? Why am I always the one who, you know, the bad, I have to compete in bad conditions or bad times? And this type of thought process is really what's the most damaging. Because then we're always looking for an excuse. We're always looking for something to, to blame. And we're not taking responsibility. And on top of that, it makes us feel terrible. And that's where the emotional suffering comes in, right? We're, we're resisting any other idea that lies outside of that. And that just increases and compounds the emotional struggle. And right now in our time, it's easy to be able to kind of fall into that trap for many, many, many reasons. But the reality is, is that if we are personalizing every struggle in our lives, then what's happening is that we have this idea that we are somehow unusual. And yes, we are different, you know, in such a great way, in a positive, positive way. But the fact that we're somehow unusual in a bad way is just wrong. You know, sadly, this year, when we look outside of ourselves, at least in my own life, I've never encountered so many people I know who are sick. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about cancer. There are a lot of people who are suffering, who are younger, who are very sick and who have even passed. And to think that my own life or your own life is somehow worse is in a way, it's, it's our way of being emotionally selfish. So understanding that life is impersonal, right? It is impersonal. So the bad things that happen to us are impersonal. But at the same time, we can create so many good things, so many powerful, positive things. As long as we get over that, we don't want to personalize things and get hung up in that. Because if we get strung up in that, then what happens is it paralyzes us from moving forward and pursuing meaningful things in life that lead to beautiful and personalized things. Right? That's the other thing. So... You know, it all comes down to the type of story that we tell ourselves. If every day you wake up and you tell yourself a bad story, then what's happening is you're going to program your mind to believe that story and to act upon that story. And we really have to be aware of what kind of story we're telling ourselves emotionally because the emotions drives everything. I mean, it really drives everything in life. We, you know, Sports psychology dedicates so much time talking about the mental, but the emotional is even more pivotal. So the emotional part has to be in great shape. And the stories you tell yourself will determine that because you're going to program your mind. After a while, you'll tell yourself this story, and if it's bad, you'll start to believe it. And we know that our beliefs, what happens to our beliefs, our beliefs then affect our attitudes. right? And then after our attitudes, what happens there? Our attitudes affect our feelings. 
Our feelings affect our thoughts, our thoughts affect our actions, and our actions ultimately determine our results. It's pretty cool how we align that, right? But it starts with our beliefs, and it starts with our stories. So what we have to do is we have to identify, okay, we have these three emotional components, and what are we resisting? Are we resisting the ability to accept imperfection? Right? The ability to be okay with mistakes. Are we resisting the ability to be okay with things changing? Things not always going your way. Because I know you can accept when things do go your way. Right? That's great. And that's also a great sign in your life. Hey, things are impermanent, which is good. So look back in your life and think, okay, let's look at some of those things, if not all of those things that happened that changed in a good way and see that through. It's like relationships, right? A lot of times uh, they talk about romanticizing. You, you fall in love with someone, you think, oh, it's never going to be this good again, even though in the current moment it's terrible. You think, oh my gosh, it's never going to be as good as it was. It's like, no, it's impermanent. It was great. It got bad. Yes, of course, work on it. If you love the person, you try everything, but that person doesn't change. That's impermanent. Move on. It does not mean you're going to never find that again. Most likely, it's the story you tell yourself that will then drive the future opportunity. So if you start telling yourself, no, this is, this is not true. I actually can find someone even more meaningful and better or another opportunity if it's not a relationship. right? It could be career, whatever that is. You go after it, and that's impermanent. And that's the way you want to drive your story in your mind. So... Those are, you know, that, that's what we have to do. We have to understand what are we resisting. If it's impersonal, right, the third one, impersonal, then we have to understand, well, why am I personalizing this? Why, why am I giving myself self-pity and feeling sorry for myself and beating myself up? And this goes even deeper because a lot of these struggles occur when we're younger. You know, there's something that happens um, in our family with parents, coaches, that affected our self-image, our belief of ourself. And we need to make peace with that. And, and a lot of times to, to impersonalize things that we, that we personalize in a bad way, we have to say, hey, it's not our fault. It's, it's done. We were changed, right? And then you can actually add on the impermanence with that to add more weight to that belief while things are impermanent. So therefore, they're impersonal. And if they're impersonal and permanent, therefore, they're imperfect. So you really want to identify those and start to challenge them. Tell yourself different stories. Right? Definitely tell yourself different stories about that. Other solutions to overcoming the emotional suffering to finally uh, be able to get over this emotional suffering and, and not resist would be first to surrender. I love that term, surrender. Uh, surrender means to not it means to allow or to not try. Just to allow. That's not for everything, obviously, but what we're talking about is, let's say you struggle with perfectionism. Well, allow yourself to be imperfect. Allow yourself to feel that, to process it. You know, if it has to do with personalization, allow yourself to be in a situation where maybe it feels personal and have a different response to yourself. Treat yourself better, which then leads to the second part. The second solution is to embrace. Move towards your fears. 
Once you've identified these three, move towards them. Identify them and say, hey, okay, I have to move towards all of these. I'm going to embrace all of these. I'm going to welcome all of these. And yes, it's kind of scary what I'm saying, but I promise you the growth on the other side is worth more than the fear you, you experience now. And then lastly, the last solution out of many, because we go through so many with athletes, but this is a very short version, is compassion. Get good at being compassionate to you. And I'm not saying you go buy yourself something nice. <laughs> I'm talking about the way you think of yourself, the way you treat yourself. That's really important. I have this funny example in sports, like let's take tennis. I'll, uh, you know, we'll talk to a lot of, a lot of tennis players I work with. They are perfectionists. Nothing wrong with that. Like I said, that's, that's just the way that we're kind of wired with the sport. But, um, what happens is that due to the perfectionist nature of our thoughts, if we look at a player that they're really hard on themselves, they kind of implode on the court, they get upset and angry and frustrated, but then if they're playing doubles, all of a sudden they're different. It's like, oh yeah, in doubles, I, I don't get as stressed and nervous. Why? Because, you know, I really care about my opponent. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, my opponent doesn't do well. I, you know, I, I want to make sure that they feel good. Okay, great. So what are you exercising? Compassion. Cool. So why can't you do that for yourself? And then when it comes down to a lot of athletes is they just don't believe that they deserve it. And that's really bad, right? So we have to understand that we deserve compassion and then start to exercise it and practice it. You're going to find that you're a lot happier because you do those things. So those are, are the types and, you know, how to go after it a little bit and how to really, you know, find fulfillment and happiness because what you don't want to do is you don't want to be like a dog chasing its tail, right? You don't want to keep chasing the same thing and resisting and resisting, thinking that somehow with this broken system, it's going to fix itself. Because in the reality, we have to have self-awareness and enlightenment and say, okay, well, this path I thought that was good, it's not working and that's okay because life's impermanent, right? That's our gift. Let's move forward. So... Once again, I hope that this podcast served a lot of you who are listening on at least one level, if not many. And if not you, then please share it with other athletes, other people, not just athletes. It could be parents, coaches, or just anyone in general who's struggling in these areas. I know this is not an easy time for many. I mean, we talk about sports. We're not even talking about other things like businesses and people's emotional well-being and health, uh, their mental health outside of sports. So you definitely want to take care of that. Um, also, uh, just a couple little quick uh, tidbits. Um, you know, I do have a YouTube channel as well called SPMI TV. I do have a video on this as well. Um, it's pretty good. You know, it's definitely more visual for those who are more visual learners. You'll see that. And um, also, I have an Instagram channel called Sports Mental Training. Uh, there, I post a lot of stuff, which is great. Um, and then for those who are serious about their game, serious about their well-being, who really want to reach the next level in their sport or just really unhappy, that's the other thing too, if you're not happy with how it's going. So I have athletes who, you know, they want to perform their best, obviously, and that's one of the biggest drives is, hey, let's get you to your optimal potential. Let's get you in a way to where you're not overthinking. You're able to do it subconsciously and you're able to do it more habitually to where it's, it's automated. And then I have athletes who emotionally they're struggling that's what we're talking about today right and they want to be happy they're they're stuck they're unhappy we want to also 
create that fulfillment that they once had or they want more of. And then third, I have athletes who are already doing well, but they just want that edge. So they're like, hey, you know what? I'm doing well, nothing wrong, but you know what? I know that by working on my mind, I can really, really get to the next level. So if you're any of those, you want to improve and, and reach your full potential, or you just want to get out of this rut that you're in, then please check out the company website. That's also uh, listed in the description of the podcast. And um, yeah, that's about it. So guys, I'm going to, once again, uh, release a podcast weekly. Uh, I really enjoy sharing this knowledge. And of course, if anyone has any, um, any suggestions on topics, please feel free to also email the company website or even post something on the uh, YouTube channel. There's also a comment section. And I'd love to read that and then go over that as well. Uh, look out for a really, really great program. It's kind of an understatement. Uh, later this year, it's going to be the best program ever released. I can promise that. One of the best programs ever released for performance psychology or mental toughness for all athletes. So I will be discussing that later. But I wish everyone a great, great week. And until next time.